Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. How come it's never Christmas on Star Trek? Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I'm your host, The Madman, and welcome to the Star Trek episode. Because I tell you what, I'm so excited because I tapped into a vein of anger that's been festering in me since the early 90s. <laughs> so, uh, welcome to the Star Trek episode. I hope you had a happy Christmas, as they say in England. And they also call it Father Christmas, which is uh, better than Santa Claus. And the reason we use Santa Claus is because of all the German immigrants that we <laughs> came in the... Uh, the uh, yeah, United States back in the day. A lot of Germanic influence in the United States. So just so you know. Uh, yeah, I hope you had a happy, happy Christmas. And I hope you're look forward to, looking forward to a new year. I know everyone's all always all bummed out. It's like, oh, 2022 is going to be worse than 2021, which is worse than 2020. But you know what? I think I think happy things can happen. You know, we can always turn it around. So let's keep that in mind and, you know, let old acquaintance be forgotten, all that. And I hope you have a happy new year and celebrate that the future, we can write it as we wish. Okay, so I want to remind you to have a YouTube channel. I put up a bunch of uh, uh, clips over this past week. I lost a subscriber over it. I guess they were tired of getting notifications every day at two. Because <laughs> for like five days, I put up a bunch of uh, clips from the show talking about different movies and stuff like that. And uh, I guess you guys really liked the last one, the Gremlins one, because that's got like 10 times as many views as, as any of the other ones. I think the Home Alone one uh, is the best one, but that's just my opinion. It's my stuff, so that's just my opinion. But people like to talk about Gremlins and Mogwai or something. I don't know. Anyway, so check out the other clips and videos that I got. It's an extensive, extensive list of content you can find on the YouTube channel. And if you like it, I would appreciate it if you went over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio and become a patron. Or you can send me money through the Cash App. Use the cash tag shockmonkeyradio. Can you hear me wheezing? You can't? Okay. I hear myself wheezing. It's just it, every time. <coughs> See? Got to quit smoking. <laughs> Got to exercise more. It's important. It's important to have a good, good lungs when doing something like a show like this. Look at that. Coughed all, all over the microphone. Isn't that disgusting? That's why the protector's there, in case this. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? So over the last two months, I've been watching Star Trek, the original series, and then Star Trek The Next Generation started auto-playing, so I decided to go ahead and give The Next Generation another shot. But sorry, that show still pisses me off to this day. Now, before I start going off on this show, I just want to say a couple of positive aspects of it. First of all, the musical theme is better than the original series. Those blaring trumpets better capture the triumph of humanity and exploring the vast and interesting universe is, is, much, is, is such, so much better than the caterwauling woman from the original series. You know, that's triumphant, you know, and that's a really better, better theme music. You got it. You get better theme music. Okay. You win that one. All right, uh, also, the Galaxy-class NCC-1701D is a much, much sexier ship than the original Constitution-class. Uh, I love the classic nature of the original Enterprise, but the Galaxy-class is simply a better-looking ship. So, kudos to the, to the production de design team there. Uh, 
Another thing I like about the next generation is the ranks. See, in the original series, I don't remember seeing anything denoting rank on their uniforms. Their dress uniforms in the original series seem to have uh, something like navy. They seem to be something like navy dress uniforms, but the uh, had some marks denoting denoting rank, but they didn't seem to make any sense. All right, in the next generation. The ranks closely reflect Navy rank structure, and their ranks are denoted on every uniform. The ensign's a single dot, all right? Lieutenant JG, I don't know if that's what they call it, but they usually just call them lieutenant, just like they do in the Navy. Lieutenant JG is a dot in an open circle. You know, lieutenant is two circles. Lieutenant commander is two, two full circles and one open circle, and that's very similar all the way up the line, very similar to Navy ranks, all right? Plus, they also had enlisted ranks on the show, like Chief O'Brien. The original series did have a couple of minor roles for, like, engineer fourth class and stuff like that. But there are no petty officers or seamen or, or spacemen, you know, whatever. Uh, one thing I can't figure out is the color of the uniforms. In the original series, yellow uniforms seem to, to, uh, to be for communications and command, perhaps. Um, Blue, blue color uniform was science and medical, which is a science, and red met engineering, security, and certain death. But in the next generation, color doesn't seem uh, to mean anything. I mean, Picard has been wearing red for the whole time, and I keep getting mad that he doesn't get killed in that last episode. Every single episode, I'm mad about that. So I don't know what the color means. And no, I'm not going to go start searching through all the technical manuals and fan fiction to figure it out. I have a casual interest in Star Trek. I didn't read all those Star Wars novels that came out between Return of the Jedi and The Phantom Menace either. And my two favorite characters of the next generation are Worf and Lieutenant Tasha Yar. The only two reasonable media mi military minds on the whole damn ship. Plus Yar uses Aikido, and that show came out around the same time I was learning Aikido, but you know, Steven Seagal uses Aikido too, so maybe it's just a martial art for fatties. Like Steven and I, but Tasha Yar is quite, quite the looker, and I had a hell of a crush on her back in the day. But enough with the positive stuff. So, when the original series ended, the autoplay sent me right into the Next Generation episode that pisses me off the most. The very first episode is a, of the series is called Encounter at Farpoint. It's one of those numerous Q episodes where this atheist concept of quote-unquote a god shows up to mess with the crew of the Enterprise. So Q is obviously a very bored and lonely god and just wants some conversation and entertainment, and the Enterprise is apparently, apparently the most interesting ship in the Alpha Quadrant. Now, I do not want to get into the details of the plots of these episodes, but generally, because they generally are not relevant to what makes me mad. But at one point, Q dons a contemporary U.S. Army uniform and makes fun of humans wanting to, quote-unquote, fight the commies. And Picard scoffs and calls that, thing, that kind of thing nonsense, despite the facts that millions of deaths and evil acts committed by communists throughout human history. This is very important in regards to the way this show is written. If a future version of humanity cannot condemn communism, then it seems that they are actually communist. Communism is evil. And it should be fought. Not many Chinese or North Koreans on the bridge of the Enterprise, is there? I wonder what happened to them. Probably wiped themselves out with their communism. Another thing, Picard surrenders a lot. Friggin' Frenchman. He surrenders to Q in this very first episode. And this is the best of Starfleet? 
Whatever happened to never give up, never surrender? Oh, wait. That's Galaxy Quest. But that's my point. Galaxy Quest is a better is better than Star Trek The Next Generation because of that attitude. Not weak-willed John Luke surrendering and trying to talk his way out of everything. There's also a scene where a tribunal, during a tribunal where guards are using submachine guns, and they shoot numerous rounds and into, into the air and into the ground to no effect. All done to contain the people in the gallery. It's so stupid and silly that it only shows that this is how liberals view guns and their understanding of their purpose and use. It's laughable. It really is. Now, there are a lot of episodes beyond this first that are far more entertaining and far less frustrating than Encounter at Farpoint. But of all the episodes, this one pisses me off the most. And they are trying to set the new tone for this series with all that nonsense. Another Star Trek Next Generation episode that upsets me is The Last Outpost. Uh, <clears throat> in The Last Outpost, we are introduced to a new species in the Star Trek universe, the Ferengi. Uh, they are an ugly and silly species, and they have an interesting focus uh, on profit and commerce. Uh, but you have to understand that this is how the communists who wrote this show view capitalists and capitalism. That's the point of the Ferengi. For this show's purposes, they are a caricature of capitalists, sleazy, underhanded, and have no morality other than turning a profit. But this is not true about capitalists, because morality is not determined by our capitalism, because capitalism is not the end-all, be-all of who we are as people. For the Ferengi, it is different. But the muted disgust the crew displays towards the Ferengi is just one of the writers is just the writer's hatred towards capitalists. Probably because the writers are commies, but in that episode, the Ferengi fired twice at the Enterprise and Picard does nothing. In fact, at one point he says, there is nothing shameful in strategic retreat, which is disgusting to anyone who has ever served in the military. Retreat is not a word we use. Friggin' Frenchmen. Of course, Yar and in later seasons, Worf are constantly giving Picard military options in almost every situation, but Picard thinks he's a diplomat and not a military man, and he compares a military response to the Ferengi as only resulting in, quote, total annihilation. This isn't the Cold War, John Luke. Not every exchange of fire has to end with mutually assured destruction. Picard's aversion to weapon systems should force Riker at some point to relieve Picard of duty for being an indecisive and confused old man who thinks he is an ambassador and not the captain of a starship. Picard concedes to the Ferengi quickly. I know I shouldn't be surprised. And the whole time I'm thinking, blast him to dust. Unscrupulous capitalists like the Ferengi can be enemies of me, even if they are capitalists too. All right, this next section I'm going to call miscellaneous. Uh, do you know that the dress uniforms in the, the next generation are actually dresses? Look it up. Search Star Trek Next Generation dress uniforms, and you'll see men wearing dresses. All right, I thought the Navy whites looked, looked gay, but at least they weren't dresses. <clears throat> you know, and there's also this one time where Picard... Picard uh, saw his grandma in an alien-induced vision of some sort, which kind of makes sense because I don't think Picard had any strong male role models growing up. 
which explains why Tasha Yar has more balls than Picard. Of course, Tasha had to fight off rape gangs and stuff. She has a very interesting past. I wish she lasted longer on the show. I really love that character. Uh, there's one episode called Justice, where Picard explains that Earth has no capital punishment, and that somehow improves how enlightened Star Starfleet society is these days. <clears throat> Picard even says at one point, quote, there could be no justice as long as laws are absolute. Have you ever heard anything so silly? Certainly, I understand that in an age of replicators that there is uh, no more scarcity on Earth, so crime should be drastically reduced. But crime would still exist even under such conditions. The problem is, is not that you're so enlightened, Picard. Rather, it's this dumbass planet you're on that uses capital punishment for every infraction of the law. If you had said there could be no justice as long as the punishment for lawbreaking is absolute and universal, then that would at least be debatable. But what you said is insane. Earth sounds like it, like it sucks in this new generation. And how did the Klingon evolve bumpy heads in the hundred years between the two shows? What the hell happened there? Did they, When they made peace with the Federation, did they mutate? Anyway, that's just a brief aside. Uh, I, I also want to see crew birthing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all we ever seem to see are officer staterooms and visitor staterooms, but no crew birthing. And that's just like a, a curious, <laughs> where would I sleep if I were on the Enterprise? <laughs> Is it as small as it was when I was in the Navy? That's what I want to know. Because those staterooms are huge <laughs> on the Enterprise. Anyway. in uh, the holodeck episodes. Oh my God, I swear these commie writers probably wish they were writing something else, but why do we have to suffer for it? You might as well just skip the holodeck episodes, in my opinion. And when Picard plays his Dixon Hill game, he never has money. He never takes money with him, just so he can condescendingly insult programs for being so backwards for requiring money for goods and services in the 1940 San Francisco. Such a commie asshole. And here's the last thing, and that's the problem of Wesley Crusher. All right. It, it's kind of a real military pro problem. It's the nepotism. All right. Just because your dad was an officer and just because your mom is a doctor and a commander and uh, undefined connection with the ship's captain, Wesley Crusher gets shooed into an acting ensign onto the bridge crew. I bet there are a lot of actually commissioned ensigns and Lieutenant JGs who haven't even been on the bridge. When you fast-track Wesley Crusher just because you want to bang the hot ginger chief medical officer, it isn't fair to people who actually go through the proper channels. I'm not saying that Wesley isn't smart or capable. I'm just saying that somehow that someone had to get bumped to make room for a 15-year-old kid. Anyway. Uh, so here's where I make the comparison between the next generation, um, and uh, I'm sorry, the original series and the next generation. And the comparison between the two is, is, is just simply sci-fi action and sci-fi drama versus sci-fi drama. The original series is action and the next generation is drama. Obviously, there is a market for both and you'd have a lot of crossover in terms of people who will, want, who will watch them both and like them on their individual merits. But my personal tastes lie more along the lines of sci-fi action. The original series was never dishonest about what it was. It was crappy television. The physical fights were laughable in the 60s era stage combat, and it's always fun to watch Kirk interlock his fingers and hammer, pun hammer punch someone 
uh, uh, some alien in the show. It's always funny to see the Vulcan nerve pinch in action and how quickly people get knocked out from a single chop to the neck. But it's action and entertaining, far more entertaining than the constant hand-wringing you find in every episode of The Next Generation. The colors and costumes of the original series are bright and vibrant and even sexy. All the female officers in the short skirts, noticeably absent from The Next Generation. Plus, in the original series, every single episode, there was a scantily clad hottie to distract Kirk from whatever he needs to get done. Beautiful people are always fun to look at. But the next generation stuffs everyone into boring jumpsuits with muted colors when they aren't all wearing dresses. The universe of the original series is dangerous and violent, as it truly would be. And in the next generation, it's all diplomacy and anti-nationalist and pro-UN and globalist, which it should not be. In the original series, even Spock understands that violence is sometimes necessary, while Picard and his gang treat the universe as if violence doesn't solve anything. But anyone with any sense knows that violence solves everything. Obviously, it shouldn't be your first solution in every case, but violence has always served this purpose. In fact, it's the only good thing about violence, because violence can neutralize the violent. In the next generation, Picard has no idea what to do, consulting a psychic psychiatrist on the bridge on what the violent aliens feel. While Tasha Yar and Worf are saying things like, we can disable the ship in, within seconds, Captain. But the original series has the crew pushing the limits of the warp drive. Pedal to the metal, balls to the wall, and Kirk, God bless him, is always certain in his actions especially when he gives orders like lock on phasers, fire. Picard has problems with low testosterone, which only makes for soap operas in space. <clears throat> so that's my Star Trek rant. It's out of my system. I probably won't have to bitch about it ever again. <laughs> Hopefully. I don't know. Picard pisses me off. Something awful. I haven't seen the new show. I heard it's awful. <laughs> from people who people like myself who prefer the original series. Uh, but if you want to email me, email me at madmanfxbgpr.com. Uh, tell me if it's worth watching, considering now how you know how I feel about Star Trek. All right, so maybe do a short show today. It's, it's the holiday. It's the holiday week, you know? Nobody wants to do anything. It's just that this. I started watching The Next Generation. I was like, ooh, I got <laughs> started writing like crazy. So let's go ahead and get into the news worth knowing. EK was leaning in. I was just trying to time it right. <laughs> Ready? <laughs> All right, let's go to this first story. Surge in House Democratic 2022 retirement announce, uh, announcements as 2021 comes to a close. Did you follow that? <laughs> a lot of people uh, are choosing to retire or run for other offices instead of uh, running for re-election in the Democratic Party. All right, so with the end-of-the-year holiday break fast approaching, the announcements came quickly. Uh, a trio of Democrats in the House of Representatives, Representative Steve, uh, Stephanie Murphy of Florida, Lucille uh, Roybal Allard of California, and Albio Ceres in New Jersey, last week said that they'll uh, retire at the end of the year rather than run in the 2022 midterm elections for another term in Congress. Uh, the latest new brought, news brought to the 23, the number 23, the number of House Democrats who are retiring or bidding for another office rather than run for re-election in 2022, when their party tries to defend its razor-thin majority in the House amid historically unfavorable headwinds and a rough political climate. 
uh, the GOP, the grand old party, needs a net gain of just five seats in the 435-member chamber next year to re, uh, regain the House majority. It lost to Democrats in 2018 midterms. Uh, Republicans have history on their side, and uh, on average, the party that wins the White House in the presidential election loses more than 25 House seats in the, in the ensuing midterm election. I mean, and, and that always happens, and that's what's interesting about America, is that you know the minority isn't not going to be heard. You know, it still has a voice. And in, once, in the once-in-decade congressional redistricting process is suspected to favor the GOP as Republicans control more state legislatures and governor's offices now. Uh, this month's major setback for President Biden and congressional Democrats in their push to pass a sweeping human infrastructure and climate change combat, uh, combating spending bill, along with the five-month downward spiral of the president's poll numbers, are also doing House Democrats no favors <laughs> as they try to keep the majority next November. I have to read that again. They are also doing House Democrats no favors as they tried to keep the majority next November. I think that might be an opinion. Opinion. Whether or not they did them any favors. Anyway. Um, uh, but even before Biden's approval ratings began to crater, House Republican leader uh, Kevin McCarthy forecasts the current wave of Democratic retirement announcements. Uh, quote, once you get past Thanksgiving and the members go home and they're Democrats and they've been challenged before, and they're going to get beat up. <laughs> Congress is not uh, Congress is not that great. Longtime GOP lawmaker told California uh, from California told Fox News during an interview in August, uh, pointing to the redistricting, redistricting process. McCarthy noted that House that House Democrat would have to would have new lines for where they have to go meet new people. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> politician you should be meeting people all the time anyway so the gist of this article is simply that you know a, a lot of these republicans are retiring and um it, it it's good i guess that if you especially if you've been in a while you know been in, in the house for a while like more than two terms i think there should be term limits uh for for senators and and uh representatives um because I don't think it should be a career. You know, I don't think politics should be anyone's career. It should be something you do for four to eight years or something like that, and you get out. You know, um, and then when, because when you get people who are entrenched in government, that's when they, you know, uh, switch around their stock part portfolio depending upon the laws they're signing. You know what I'm saying? It gets a little too easy to be an insider, insider trader, you know, if, if you've been in in Congress for a while and you're in a bunch of committees and you're drawing up bills and stuff like that. That, that just leads to corruption. And I think that we, that's why we need term limits, but it's also the fact that, you know, the, uh, I think the Democrats are going to get creamed, creamed in 2022 in the elections of 2022. I think a lot of them know that they, they don't want to, nobody wants a losing record, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, want to go out on a high note. It's so, uh, Beyond that, I mean, I think it's a good thing, no matter what. I mean, when it's like they says, when the House, uh, the party that gets into power in the presidents in the presidency, you know, there's frequently a shift in the representatives, and that's a good thing. That shows that America is working. Yeah, all all of us, all of us, you know, you and me, all of us who are really pissed off about all this transgender stuff and teaching critical race theory in school, you know, uh, government takes time. All bureaucracy takes time, and uh, but I really do think that our government is built in a way to handle 
big problems like this, like, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, I, th I think our democratic republic is one of the most unique in the world in, in terms of how uh, flexible it is, in terms of uh, not breaking under the strain of craziness. And so I think this is a good thing, no matter what, you know, I, I wish we can get all the Democrats out of there, but hey, <laughs> some, some is better than nothing, you know what I mean? And, you know, not, and I'm not even saying that, you know, right or wrong is on, is ever always on one side of the aisle, okay? Frequently right is on the right. <laughs> but what I mean is that, you know, it can even get to a point where there's so many Republicans in, in Congress that then you'll you would hope as an american that you know uh, more democrats once a, you know once one party gets starts getting too much in power you got to start watching watching them you know <laughs> and that could be coming one day because of a big swing you know one way can lead to a big swing in another way it's interesting the ecosystem of american government i guess that's why i talk about it a lot all right let's talk about the military for a change uh, Marines say that they are being crushed over the vaccine refuse, refusal. They call it a political purge. Uh, this is exclusive from Fox News. Uh, U.S. Marines are being, quote, crushed by President Biden's COVID-19 vaccine mandate as thousands face dismissal for their continued refusal to give the shot. Several active duty Marines told Fox News Digital. <coughs> to date, 169 mar Marines have been discharged for refusing the vaccine. And thousands more face the same fate after the Department of Defense, Defense's mandate on all active duty service members went into effect for the Marine Corps on November 28. Uh, Marines are allowed to apply for a religious exemption, but so far, not a single application regarding the COVID-19 or any vaccine for that matter has been approved, a Marine Corps spokesman told Fox News. Uh, several Marines who refused to get the shot were granted uh, anonymity by Fox News Digital so they could speak freely. They said they're witnessing a political purge, quote, political purge by the Biden administration that's forcing the military's best and brightest over deeply held beliefs they said are protected by the First Amendment. Best and brightest? You think that only the smart people are getting? Oh, come on. <laughs> you don't have to be very smart to realize you don't need this vaccine. <laughs> Just really basic virology, basically. <laughs> you understand? How... Anyway, I'll keep reading. Uh, quote, there's something fundamentally wrong at this point with our nation's leadership, said a major with more than 17 years of active service. A major is like L Lieutenant Commander Data rank. <laughs> we are facing an unconstitutional edict that I think is uh, very targeted and a as a political purge, taking out some of the best and brightest so uh, soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, capitalized, and guardians from the Space Force. A Lieutenant Colonel with more than 19 years of active service, says uh, Lieutenant Colonels like Commander Riker. More than 19 years of active service said it appears that the military, specifically the Marine Corps, is discharging service members as fast as they can, fast as they can, and as brutally as they can, damaging every Marine as much as they can on the way out. That's terrifying, right there. If you like, if you earned, actually earned an honorable discharge, and you get other than honorable or something like that because of this refusal, that's nightmarish. You're gonna have a hell of a time getting a job. That's awful. Anyway. The one, uh, quote continues to say, uh, the one message I got from the, from the colonel above me was, tread very carefully. This is political. You will be crushed like an ant, he told me. He told me that because he cares about me, Lieutenant Colonel said. Uh, quote, do I want to keep 
continue serving in an institution that crushes people for bringing up reasonable points in defending their faith? One master sergeant said it seems like the, the louder I, that's like Chief O'Brien, said, <laughs> sorry, Star Trek in the brain. One master sergeant said that it seems the louder I speak, the tighter the screws are turned against me. Uh, when you're expected to behave in a certain way and to obey certain rules and follow certain processes, um, and then to see on the other end that it's not a two-way street, that's a violation of my morals, and I can't stand by and not speak out about, the master sergeant said. <coughs> Excuse me. The Marines who spoke to Fox News said that they uh, were on the receiving end of a blanket denial of religious exemptions, with their applications being rejected without consideration. Eight separate letters of denial pr uh, provided by to Fox News were nearly identical, citing military read readiness as a primary reason for rejection. Okay. This, this article goes on for a while because it's, it's mostly quotes from these Marines. And, uh, uh, you know, God bless them. You know, uh, I think I think that you should have a right to ref refuse uh, a vaccine, especially if it's not a vaccine. It's more just, uh, what, gene therapy? You know, it's, uh, but uh, at the same time, you're in the military. You could be deployed anywhere in the world at any moment. And uh, I think, like, the military is one of those places where vaccines should be universal. Uh, because, I don't know. I just felt like when I was getting all my shots in boot camp and stuff like that when I was going to the Navy, is like, um, there was a part of me that says, well, what, which one's that? You know, because it's like eight in a row. It's like, what the hell did you just shoot me with? <laughs> what was that? What'd you give me? <laughs> You know, but at the same time, I was like, well, I have to trust the government and the government has a very good reason to, you know, if, if you're, if you live just in your hometown, your entire life, you don't really need that whole lot of vaccinations, but if you could be deployed anywhere in the world at any moment, you need to be vaccinated up to the you know, point. I mean, just because, you know, you may have a religious exemption, uh, uh, to not get the vaccine. You, you know, we may have to go like on a police action or assist some other country, like say, um, I don't know, uh, uh, Ukraine maybe, <laughs> or something like that, or you know, uh, Hong Kong. I don't know. If we had to go into like, so, like some other allied countries, you know, to help them, they they might say it was like we're not letting in any Marine soldiers, sailors, you know, Space Force guys in who into our nation who haven't been vaccinated, and that and we, you know, we'd have to like go through the process of weeding them out and so forth. So I'm kind of conflicted about this story. Uh, I, I don't think that they, I think that it's, it's the vaccine's pointless. I don't think it means anything. And I'll, uh, but I think that if you, when you're in the military, you're the, oh, probably the only American who can't refuse a vaccine. That's, that's my opinion. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little, I don't know, hard, hard ass about it. <laughs> I think it's important to be vaccinated. I'm glad I was. I've been to Spain. Those people are dirty kidding spain all right slow news week so we're going to touch upon something i don't really like talking about and that's nfl legend john madden is dead at 85 years old uh so john madden one of the nfl's most iconic figures as a super bowl winning coach and a longtime tv anal analyst who translated the in intricacies of football in a colorful way and even casual fans that even casual fans could understand he died tuesday at the age of 85 the league announced Quote, on behalf of the entire NFL family, we extend our condolences to Virginia, Mike, and Joe and their families. NFL Commissioner, Commissioner Roger Goodell said in a statement, 
We all know him as a Hall of Fame coach of the Oakland Raiders and broadcast who worked for every major network, but more than anything, so he was fired a lot, is that what you're saying? <laughs> but more than anything, he was a devoted husband, father, and grandfather. That's the important part right there, that last part. Forgive, forgive me, my joke. Uh, quote, nobody loved football more than the coach. Than coach. He was football. He was an incredible soundboard to me and so many others. Uh, and there will never be another John Madden. And we will never and we for, forever be indebted to him for all he made for football and for what the NFL is today. And people have posted a lot of great pictures of him that, you know, I forgot. I forgot about, you know. Uh, the Hall of Fame coach turned broadcaster whose exuberant calls combined with simple explanations provide a weekly soundtrack to NFL games for three decades. The league said he was he died unexpectedly but did not disclose the cause. Uh, Madden gained fame in a decade-long long stint as coach of the renegade Oakland Raiders, making it to seven AFC title games and winning the Super Bowl following the 1976 season. He compiled a 103-32-7 regular season record and his 7.59 winning percentage. I'm going to read that again. 7.59 winning percentage is best among NFL coaches for more than 100 games. But it was his work after prematurely retiring as coach in uh, 42 that made Madden truly a household name. He educated a, f a football nation with his use of the trans of the tra <laughs> telestrator on broadcast. Oh, that's right, when he was drawing on the screens and stuff like that. He entertained millions with his interjections of boom and doink throughout the games. Oh, yeah. And he was an omnipresent pitchman selling restaurants, hardware stores, and beer. Miller Lite, that's right. Became the face of Madden NFL football, one of the most successful sports video games of all time. And I have to tell you, it's like when I got my Sega Genesis, the only other game I got <laughs> was John Madden Sports Talk Football. Anyway, people... <laughs> they just had clips of John Madden. It was great. Anyway, people will always ask, are you a coach or a broadcaster or a video game guy? <laughs> uh, he said when, uh, when he was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I'm a coach. Always been a coach. He started bro uh, his broadcasting career at CBS after leaving coaching in, a great, in great part because due of a fear of flying. Huh. He left. He, didn't, he hated flying around all over the country with these teams. Uh, he and Pat Summerall. Uh, wow. Became the network's top announcing duo. Madden then moved to Fox in 1994 and went on to his prime uh, to call primetime games at ABC and NBC before retiring following Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's thrilling 27-23 win over Arizona in the 2009 Super Bowl. Yeah. So, God, you know, God rest John Madden. Uh, you, you know, I don't like football, but I mean, it is part of American culture and stuff like that. It's and John Madden has been a big part of that for most of my life, and so all of my life actually. Seventy six, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even born in seventy six. So, um, yeah, I mean, he was a regular feature. I mean, when it came to football, he was always a regular feature. I mean, even in the even in the football games, like I said, you know, it's like uh, those those Sega Genesis games and Super Nintendo games and sports talk football. Now you get. Now you get irritated with the commentating in video games. <laughs> They're so good that it's crap, the things that come out of these guys' mouths. It's like listening to, you know, like a, a double-A baseball game on the radio. It's like, who are these guys? Who are these third-tier radio broadcasters announcing this game? <laughs> anyway, well, God's got, got uh, John Madden now. Uh, rest in peace. All right, let's talk about Rob Schneider.
Rob Schneider praises Arizona police officers after his car breaks down. A huge thank you. Uh, Rob Schneider is uh, is commending police officers for coming to his aid after his car broke down. The grown-ups actor was traveling in his home state of Arizona December 22nd when he found himself stranded in his Tesla in, and in need of some help. It was a nice interaction. These days, there are a lot of negativity, Officer Paul Lee of the Scottsdale Police Department told Fox 10. According to the outlet, officers responded to the call of a disabled vehicle in North Scottsdale and were surprised to find the comedian who is known for starring in several Adam Sandler movies. I said, wait a second, that's Mr. Schneider, as in the Rob Schneider. <laughs> and I said, wait, Mr. Schneider? And he gave me a nod, and this, that is how we broke the ice on that, Lee added. <laughs> uh, Schneider took to Twitter to thank uh, Scottsdale's finest. Uh, quote, a huge thank you to Scottsdale's finest at Scottsdale PD. For all your help today when my car broke down. Thanks, Officer Lee. You can do it, funny man wrote. Uh, Schneider said that he and the police officer made some small talk and even went over some of his movies. Lee also com uh, commended the actor for being very appreciative. The incident took place during a busy week of the Christmas holiday. Uh, <laughs> officer, calling a tow truck. <laughs> Uh, it's, 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 it's funny because, you know, uh, even famous-ish people, you know, they have to deal with these things. I mean, if you're Adam Sandler rich, you probably just get somebody else to bring a car to you, right? Bring me my other vehicle. Yeah, bring in, yeah, I've traveled with backup vehicles, bring but this is, yeah, but this is Rob Schneider. And let's be honest, where would Rob Schneider be without Adam Sandler? You know, let's be honest. All right. I'm not saying I haven't been entertained by him, but I mean, mostly it was the policeman. Cop! Calling a tow truck! Charging the battery! <laughs> like I said, slow news week. Okay. So, uh, yeah, these are the last two stories. And one's kind of a, kind of me uh, slightly messed up, but it's still kind of hilarious. But I try to move into more positive stories here towards the end. So, Oregon caller to Biden defends his Let's Go Brandon remark, claims he's now getting threats. So I don't know if you heard about this, but it is hilarious. All right, so a caller from Oregon who got who tagged on uh, Let's Go Brandon while ending his Christmas Eve phone chat with President Biden last week now says he's being attacked for what he claims was a joke. <laughs> Quote, and now I'm being attacked for utilizing my freedom of speech, Jared Schmeck, 35, a former Medford police officer, told the Oregonian newspaper on Saturday. Uh, Schmeck said he has been receiving vague but threatening phone calls after his call to Biden on Friday was live streamed and reported in the media. I quote, I understand there's some of, uh, there is a vulgar meaning to let's go Brandon, but I'm not that simple minded, no matter how I feel about him. Schmeck told the news outlet, uh, the live stream call drew media attention in part because Biden responded, let's go Brandon. I agree. <laughs> that could not have played out any better. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? It could when he said, "Let's go, Brandon," and he goes, "Let's go, Brandon." I agree. It could not played out have played out any better, because so, Biden didn't know what the hell he was saying when he said it. He didn't know what it meant. Somebody had to tell him afterwards. Remember, it means FJB. You know. Oh, oh, oh! I guess I guess I messed that one up. Have an ice cream sandwich, Mr. President. Anyway, <laughs> but Schmeck, the father for, claimed Saturday he had no ill feelings towards the president even though he believes Biden could be doing, can be doing a better job. Fair enough. Uh, quote, he seems like a cordial guy. Yeah, no doubt about that. 
uh, Schmeck said, referring to the uh, president, uh, quote, there's no animosity or anything like that. It's just merely just an innocent jest to express my God-given right, to express my frustrations in a joking manner. I love him just like I love any brother or sister. Amen. Amen, brother. Uh, Schmeck added that he stood 100% uh, behind what he what he stood 100% behind what I did and what I said, according to the paper. At the end of the day, I have nothing against Mr. Biden, Schmeck said at the same interview with the Oregon with the Oregonian. But I am frustrated because I think he can be doing a better job. I mean, no disrespect to him. Uh, despite his criticism of Biden, Schmeck, uh, Schmeck told the newspaper he did not consider himself a Trumper, but instead, because probably that's the first thing they ask, are you Trumper? But instead, a, quote, free-thinking American and follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, Schmeck said that he and his family were following their tradition Friday of calling in uh, the NORAD, NORAD Santa tracker on Christmas Eve and didn't know the call would be live-streamed. He and his family were following their holiday tradition of calling in the NORAD Santa. So he didn't know this call was coming in. So he was already live streaming. Oh, wow. <clears throat> anyway, a voice on the other end said, First Lady Jill Biden will be accepting calls, but Schmeck uh, said he assumed it would be recording, a recording of the First Lady, not a live phone call, according to the Oregonian. Uh, so he just got surprised by this. Well, that's, that's kind of your fault, White House. If you're calling some random American and not expect somebody to say, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> All right, then when the president and first lady started speaking with the family, Biden uh, was interested to learn that one of Schmeck's sons name, uh, was named Hunter, the same name as the president's son. <laughs> um, tell me more about your boy. <laughs> oh, Biden. Anyway, the Bidens and Schmecks then chatted about items that Schmeck's children hoped to receive for Christmas, with Schmeck adding he, had, uh, he himself hoped for a quiet night. <laughs> Lots of luck, Dad, the president responded, sparking laughter among the group. <laughs> As the call ended, like, that's generally kind and interesting and Merry Christmas and all that. As the call ended, Jill Biden wished the Oregon family a Merry Christmas, and Jared Schmeck responded, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Merry Christmas, and let's go, Brandon. Soon afterward, Schmeck's wife posted an Instagram message, according to the Oregonian. My husband may or may not have just told Jill or Jill Biden, let's go, Brandon, on the phone. <laughs> The message said with two crying emojis at it. <laughs> See, that's when emojis matter. Because <laughs> they let, let the reader know that what they think they just said is hilarious. That's important. That's something you get when you're face-to-face -face with somebody. When you make a joke and you're like, then you know, it's like, oh, I'm supposed to laugh here. <laughs> Soon afterwards, Schmeck's wife posted an Instagram message according to the Oregonian. Oh, yeah. I just read that. In addition, the newspaper reported Schmeck also posted a video of their conversation with the Bidens on their YouTube channel with the caption, we talked to President Joe Biden on Christmas Eve. Hashtag, let's go, Brandon. Yeah, um, you know what it means. You know you were disrespecting him in some way. But I think you have every right to. And it's hilarious. The way it played out was hilarious. Because, I mean, nobody would be watching that bullshit. <laughs> And I guarantee you, nobody's looking for videos on the other calls they made. Everyone's looking for that one. <laughs> that, gets, that clip will get the most views out of any of those phone calls. Anyway, one last story, then we'll get out of here. Uh, Ohio Good Samaritan answers woman's calls for help at a grocery store. Subdues suspect. He's my hero. 
<clears throat> a good Samaritan in Ohio, in Ohio, received an award Thursday after he answered an 87-year-old woman's calls for help at a Kroger grocery store when a man snatched her purse in the checkout line earlier this month. Deshaun Presley jumped into action on December 5th and chased down the purse snatcher out of the store of the Lemon Township and into the parking lot. Security footage shows Presley taking down the suspect in the parking lot and making a citizen's arrest. Badass. Who are you, Luke Cage? Anyway, uh, so for his heroic efforts, Butler County Sheriff Richard Jones presented Presley with the Citizen's Award on Thursday. Presley was also reunited with Pat Goins, the woman whose purse was snatched. Quote, I'm glad that I received the honor because I'm glad he received this honor because he's my hero. Pat Goins told Fox 19 Cincinnati. Presley told reporters during the ceremony that he was uh, that he was with his one-year-old daughter when he struck, a, struck up a conversation with Goins moments before the attempted robbery. He was with his one-year-old daughter when he struck up a conversation with Goins moments before the attempted robbery. When the two went to separate checkout lines, Presley said he uh, the would-be thief made his move. So he, he just, just chit-chatted her there for five seconds. And then you know, just wanted to be a vigilante after that. That's all extra. Uh, so when the two went into separate checkout lines, he said that's when the would-be thief made his move. I heard her screaming and yell, yelling, and it was the yell that I need help, Presley said. And I just turned around and and did what needed I needed to do as a citizen. And then you stood like this, right, with your hand, fists on your hips, right, as a citizen. <laughs> uh, when a reporter asked Presley, whether the suspect, later identified as a 50-year-old Derek Vaughn, was surprised to see him giving chase. <laughs> Presley said that he was. Why, why is he chasing me? <laughs> this never happens. Usually, usually, usually nobody cares. He was running around and looking back, running and looking back, and I was like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm on your, your ass. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I'm on your ass. They misspelled your. Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Presley said the, to laughs from those present. Yeah, I'm on your ass. Uh, Presley also used, also said that his grandma, who raised him after his mother died, instilled him, uh, instilled in him the values to help others. God bless her. <coughs> she did very good by me, he said. It was good that she taught me what she taught me, and I'm thankful for her. Presley and Goins said that they will remain in contact with each other following the award ceremony. And we got a dinner date, Goins said. Oh, I see. It's like a Harold and Maude thing, is it? Okay. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it, it's cool. He wore a Detroit Tigers t-shirt <laughs> to the award ceremony, uh, which is fine. I mean, if you like the Tigers, I guess. But you live in Cincinnati. Don't you like the Reds? Anyway. Uh, here's the point. It's like, you know, it's a... Uh, Stories like this should be, like, the biggest headlines, positive stories like this, people helping each other, you know? You know, he just chatted with her for a second. Like, what is it crazy? Look at this crazy new M&M flavors. What's up with that? He's like, I don't know. I don't even trust them anymore. And then they go into separate checkout lines. Next thing you know, you're chasing down the guy who snatched this woman's purse. You know? How, how much do you re really need to know about somebody? In fact, the more you know somebody, the less likely you are to help them. <laughs> If you find it, it's easier to love strangers than it is, you know, even your best friends sometimes. So, I mean, the the point is, is that, you know, it's like I said, his grandmother wrote, raised him right. 
and, uh, you know, did right by him. And that's, and that's the kind of citizen we need in America. The kind of person who says, I just did what every citizen should do. The D stands for Deshaun. That's why he had the Detroit Tiger shirt on. Captain Deshaun. <laughs> I want. I hope that I got his name right. I gotta, I gotta open this up again. Forget it. Forget it. Anyway, that's gonna be the end of our show. Uh, I hope you have a happy New Year coming up. I hope you you know do some safe celebrating. You know, get a few, get a few cocktails in you. You know, sucking back on Grips Pop and cough medicine. You know, maybe watch Dumb and Dumber. Give me that beer, you pumpkin pie-headed, care-cutted freak. What a classic role. What a classic movie. That Dumb and Dumber. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was, I was so happy to rant about Star Trek today. I appreciate it. Have a happy new year. This is going to be the end of our show. I want to remind you, to, again, to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. Also, you can go over to Cash App and send me money through Cash App. Use the hashtag shockmonkeyradio. Please like, share, and subscribe. Comment upon my videos. I would appreciate it. Helps the algorithm. Helps other people see it. And because uh, some of these channels I see these days, I have no idea how many how they get so many subscribers. Anyway, this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman, and I love you.